Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. I have something new growing on my kitchen counter these days. My counter is kind of getting crowded, to be honest. I've got the sourdough starter, the big crock of continuous brew kombucha. Sometimes I'll have sauerkraut or fermented vegetables. And now over in the corner by my mixer, I have a jar of kefir. Now I've known about kefir for a long time, but I never really thought it was worth my time to dive into until now. So in today's episode, I want to not only show you exactly, well not show you, tell you rather, how I make my kefir every day, but also explain why it just might be a secret weapon for your homestead kitchen. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the Trailblazers. The mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, well, this is the place for you. This episode is brought to you by Recap Mason Jars, which is a company that makes the coolest little mason jar attachments ever. I've been working on beefing up our pantry storage lately because, let's face it, grocery shopping is just weird right now and I'm trying to make as few trips to town as possible. Hands down, mason jars are one of the very best pantry storage containers you can use and they're even more convenient when you fit them with a special recap lid. These lids come in a variety of styles, flip top, pour spout, shaker inserts, and even sprayers and soap pumps. They're the perfect way to reduce plastic waste and make your pantry more functional all at the same time. Grab a five-piece starter set of recap lids and try the best of these handy little accessories while they're at an introductory price and bonus. You won't even have to pay shipping. Head on over to theprairiehomestead.com lid to have a look. So kefir. Uh, I do believe I might be pronouncing it slightly incorrect, but I'm just sticking with it. So I think the proper pronunciation for it is kefir. However, I've heard a lot of folks call it kefir as well. So I'm just going to go with what is more obvious to me. Just say kefir and maybe it's wrong. Oh, well, you know what I'm talking about. So roughly translated, the word kefir means good life or long life. And this is an ancient beverage. It's been around for a very, very long time. It originates out of somewhere in Asia. And what I'm trying to explain it to people, basically what I say is it's just like drinkable yogurt. It's a cultured probiotic milk beverage that is just a little bit runnier than yogurt. Now, honestly, when I first learned what kefir was many, many years ago, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound very appealing. I'd rather eat my yogurt with a spoon. But I've since learned that kefir is actually really, really amazing when it comes to probiotic benefits, which we know that probiotics and a healthy gut are really the key to health for our entire body. So it's kind of a cool deal. Now, one thing I often get asked when I start talking about this weird fermented milk beverage from Asia is they're like, um, like where, like, where did it come from? Or how does this become discovered? And Interestingly enough, no one really knows where it came from originally. Like we know it came from the Caucasus Mountains in Asia, but no one really knows how it came to be. And when I say it, um, kefir 
like we have the beverage called kefir that's this drinkable yogurt, but you create that beverage via something called kefir grains. Um, and what they are, they're, they're not actual grains, so you don't have to worry about you know wheat or gluten being in them whatsoever, but they look like granules. And I don't know, the best way I could describe it, it's like if you had a bunch of cottage cheese curds that stuck together and formed a little clump, that's what a kefir grain looks like. And they can be really small, um, like the size of a pea or smaller, or they can be kind of clumped together and be slightly larger, maybe the size of a nickel or even a quarter, depending on how old your grains are and how long they've been fermenting. So these little kefir grains, no one really knows how they came to be. Opinion varies. Um, people think maybe they're hundreds of years old, maybe thousands of years old. No one knows for sure, which I feel like when I'm trying to sell this idea of kefir to my friends, they're like, um, that's weird. And also, no. <laughs> but don't let that deter you because I think it's kind of cool. And basically, these cultures, um, these Asian cultures who originated this idea of kefir would ferment the milk with the grains in like a sheep stomach. And of course, it was hot. Uh, and it would do its thing and it would curdle and they were really, really healthy. So that's sort of the history of kefir is at least as much as we know. But it's kind of cool. I love ancient things, ancient dairy, right? It's, just, it's cool. <laughs> anyway, so there is also, you may have heard of this, there's also something called water kefir. So there's milk kefir and water kefir. Now water kefir is a little bit different because just like the name implies, it uses water instead of milk. So if you're completely dairy free, you may want to look at water kefir. I basically think of that as more like, kind of like kombucha or a natural I don't want to say natural soda pop because it's way better for you than any sort of pop, but it is a water-based, lightly sweetened fermented beverage. So similar to kombucha. I don't currently brew water kefir. I did in the past. Uh, in fact, water kefir was the culprit for one of the most epic explosions in my kitchen to date, where I had a bottle of blueberry water kefir that I had let ferment too long. It was a hot summer and it sat on the counter and I went to open it and it was blueberry, mind you, lots of blueberries. And the lid blew off and proceeded to violently spew blueberry water kefir all over my kitchen, like on the ceiling, on the walls, and it's sticky and it's red and it looked like a literal murder scene in my kitchen. And I think that may have been one of the last times I brewed water kefir because that was a lot of cleanup. Anyway, don't let that deter you. Water kefir is amazing. But because I brew kombucha, I kind of thought, I, well, I, I'll be, I'm good. I don't need to do water kefir as well. Um, so I do milk kefir. Now you can take milk kefir grains and convert them into water kefir grains, but it can be a little bit of a process. So I would say if you really want to do water kefir and you want to have some sort of naturally sweetened probiotic fizzy drink to enjoy that's not Coke or Pepsi, just go ahead and buy water kefir grains. Um, they're not that expensive. And I think you'll just have an easier time getting that going versus trying to convert a dairy kefir grain over. Okay, so why is kefir good for you? So basically, when it boils down to is it has way more of a probiotic punch than even yogurt does. So we all know yogurt's good for you. Even 
our westernized modern American medicine will concede that yogurt is good for you. They don't don't often talk about the superfood and options and all the benefits, but they do say yogurt's good for you. We know that. Kefir is even better. And so I was looking up different studies, and I'll include this link in the show notes, but I found a study over on PubMed.gov, which is just a non-biased library of research studies. And it says that dairy kefir can contain up to 61 different microorganism strains. So really, really good for you. Um, I actually, I had strep throat last year and man, I tried all of the natural remedies to get rid of it and I just could not. So I had to go to the doctor and get antibiotics, which is not my favorite thing. However, I am thankful for antibiotics when we need them, but I always am just a little disappointed. I, you know, when I can't take care of it myself. But anyway, after I went on this round of antibiotics, I, I knew that I needed to beef up my gut bacteria because I had been, you know, damaged by the antibiotic use. So I sought out kefir. And now originally, um, at that point I didn't have kefir grains. So I just bought some kefir at the natural food store and it was really good. But, um, the problem is sometimes the kefir that you buy at the store doesn't have as much good stuff. It can actually, um, some people call it fake kefir because it can be hard to sell true kefir because it's a little bit effervescent. So when you have that carbonation inside a bottle, you, and it's sitting on a store shelf for who knows how long you have issues with it, you know, bursting, exploding. So a lot of the kefir in a grocery store is actually not necessarily made with real kefir grains. It's actually often prepared with some laboratory raised bacteria that are chosen to kind of work in place of kefir grains. So it's still, it's not like it's necessarily bad for you, but it's not going to be as good for you as true kefir and the amazing diversity of cultures that they contain. So something to keep in mind. So I would say if you're really committed to kefir, you're also gonna save a lot of cash to make it yourself, but it's gonna be way better for you. Okay, so how do we use it? Um, Cause that is the question. <laughs> how do you use this runny yogurt stuff that you've created, Jill? So the first thing that we do with it, um, we so we get a fresh batch every day cause it's kind of like feeding your sourdough. You have to feed it about every 24 hours. And then you have this discard and it's actually not te technically discard. It's actually just the kefir. So I'm going to explain the process of making it in just a moment, but we have a fresh jar of kefir every single day. So my kids actually really, really like it. They request it, especially if it's hot and they want a cool drink. They come in from playing outside. I will dribble a teeny bit of maple syrup in it because it is a little bit tangy and they love it. It can take a little bit getting to use, getting used to, because it's not identical in flavor to yogurt. It's a little bit different. And the other thing that might throw some people off is that it is a little bit effervescent. So it has a little bit of that tingle on your tongue from that natural carbonation. And it's not as carbonated as a soft drink, because that would just be weird. But you can just feel that little bit of a, a tingle which I kind of enjoy, but you know, at first glance, you take that first sip and you might be like, what is this? So anyway, my kids have really taken to it well. If you're not into drinking kefir straight, you can put it in smoothies, fantastic smoothie addition. You won't get as much of the tang if it's mixed in with all the other ingredients. 
And you can also just blend it up with different fruits just to add a little bit more flavor, a little more sweetness. So lots of options. But the thing that really, really drew me to kefir to start with that sealed the deal and made me order the kefir grains is this idea that I recently stumbled across that you can use kefir as cheese culture. Now, this may not seem exciting to you, but this was revolutionary information to me. So I have dabbled in cheese making over the years and every single cheese making book I've ever purchased just instructs you to purchase different cheese cultures from a cheese supply store and tells you to just use these cultures and you, you get a packet, you use the packet and you have to buy the packet again. It works fine. It's, you know, how they make cheese at the store. All is well and good, except it's always bothered me just a little bit that I have to keep buying these packets, right? You have to keep in there and keep them in your freezer. And sometimes if you keep them in there too long, they go bad. So it's just one of those things. I don't like having to continually buy things over and over if I can help it. So when I purchased this book this spring, I've mentioned it before on this podcast, it's called The Art of Natural Cheese Making by David Asher. It blew my mind because he says you don't need to do that. You actually can use kefir as a culture for almost any cheese that you want to make at home. So if you can keep this kefir culture perpetuating on your counter, feasibly, like I'm done buying any sort of little culture packets from the store, which that is my love language, my friend. I love things like that. So according to his book, I'm going to quote it here. Um, he says every cheese in this book, and he has the full gamut of cheeses. He's got the mozzarellas and he's got the blue cheese and the um, cheddars and the goudas and the fetas. He's got all the cheese. Okay. Um, he says every cheese in this book and many more can be made with kefir as a starter culture. It is a universal starter containing both mesophilic and thermophilic bacteria that are adaptable to cheese making in any conditions. Kefir grains also serve as a source of bacteria for aging cheeses because kefir contains bacterial species that feed on the products left behind by lactic acid bacteria. Kefir culture provides successions of ripening bacteria to any aged cheese. Cheeses made with kefir as a starter do not taste of kefir. Their flavor is akin to traditionally made raw milk cheeses. So, oh my goodness, mind blown when I read that. So if you weren't sure those funky words that I read, mesophilic and thermophilic, that is just referring to specific types of culture. And when you make cheese the traditional way, when I say traditional, I mean like not traditional cultures, I should clarify that. You make cheese the way that most books tell you to make it. They will say, oh, this cheese needs a packet of mesophilic culture, or this cheese needs a packet of thermophilic culture. So often you have to have a whole selection of those cultures on hand. Whereas with kefir, it contains all of those and it's very diverse. So it will kind of be a one size fits all solution in terms of cheese culture. This is exciting, friends. I don't know if you understand how exciting this is. It's exciting to me. I hope some of you are also excited. Uh, so it looks like the amount of kefir you would need for kind of your average cheese recipe is about a quarter to a half a cup, which really isn't that much. Um, not to mention that even if you're keeping kefir as a 
primarily as a cheese culture starter, you're getting the other benefits of being able to drink it plain or, you know, put it in your smoothies. So I feel like it's a win-win all the way around. Okay, so that's why I think kefir's pretty darn cool. Now let's talk about how the heck you make it, right? You might be wondering how involved is this, is this process? And the good news is not hard at all. It's no different than feeding a sourdough starter. And honestly, if you have a sourdough starter right now, get a kefir culture because you can feed them both at the same time. I wouldn't keep them right next to each other because sometimes cultures will cross-contaminate. But keep them on separate sides of your kitchen. And then you can just have culture feeding time in the morning or the evening and it'll be super simple and really shouldn't upset your schedule whatsoever. So here's how you do it. Number one, you got to get kefir grains. You can get them from a friend if you have cool kefir making friends, or if you don't, you can order them online. That's where I got mine. I got mine from Cultures for Health. Um, they come dehydrated. So you, you buy them. It's only, I don't know, it's cheap, five or six bucks, maybe not expensive. You get the, the grains you open the package and they're very anticlimactic as far as there's not much in there. They're dried and they look like some breadcrumbs or something. Um, you, you will need to follow the directions that come with your grains if they're dehydrated. And, and so it's this process of adding some milk to the dehyd dehydrated grains, letting it sit, then adding a little bit more milk the next day and a little bit more of the milk of the next day and kind of dumping it in between. So just follow the instructions because they'll probably be a little bit different depending on the grains that you get, but it's not hard at all. Once your grains are activated, which takes mm, four or five days, I believe, then you just get into this rhythm. So honestly, if you think about it, it's very similar to your sourdough starter. When you're starting a starter from scratch, you the first few days are a little more intense. And I use that word loosely because it's not hard. You just have to check it a little bit more. And then once it gets to be established, you really only have to mess with it once a day. Same with dairy kefir. So you would add, I do a quart jar at a time. So I fill up my quart jar. Um, the kefir grains are in the bottom. I pour fresh milk. I use raw milk in there with them. And I let it sit on my counter at room temperature for 24 hours. And by then, the next day, the milk has thickened. It looks a little bit like yogurt, but if you shake it around, then it is definitely more liquid. So once that milk is thickened, then I strain the kefir grains out, take that kefir, now that thickened milk, and we can drink it or use it in cheese making or do whatever we want to do with it. And then I add fresh milk into the jar with the kefir grains and do it all over again. And it's just rinse and repeat. Very simple. And you're technically producing uh, a jar, four cups of kefir every single day for your family to enjoy. Now, just like sourdough, if you're going on vacation or you just need a break, you can absolutely keep your kefir grains in the refrigerator. It's, they won't kill them. It might take them a little bit to, re, to restart, get, get going again once you pull them out. But it's, this is not a high stress thing whatsoever. Very, very simple. Now, the one thing I will say that tripped me up a little bit when I first started doing this on a daily basis was the straining process. And this sounds so silly, but it actually was, it was a problem because what I would do is I would have this quart jar of thickened milk and I needed to strain out the kefir grains. And like I said, they're about the size of peas or a couple peas stuck together. 
and some were smaller. And I needed to strain them out so I could put them in the fresh batch of milk. And so I have this little wire mesh strainer. This probably holds a half a cup of liquid. It's just small, fits into the mouth of a jar. So my first thought was I'll stick that on a jar, I'll pour the kefir through and let it drain. And then I'll move the grains to a new jar. And it didn't work. It would take like 10 minutes for me to get the thickened milk to actually go through this strainer because the holes were small. It's like a mesh strainer. And I would have to scrape it with my spoon and it would slowly drip and I'd stand there and scrape it some more. And it was just cumbersome. And what I've learned in all aspects of this homestead life, if something is complicated or cumbersome, I'm not going to do it for very long. And I might start out with grand aspirations, but pretty quick as life, you know, just grinds on, I will opt out of anything that is just clunky to do on a daily basis. It's just human nature. So I, I know that if I'm going to stick with something and be consistent, I have to make it streamlined and systematized as much as possible. So I knew my little mesh strainer wouldn't work. So the next thing I tried was my big mesh strainer, which like fits into a, a bowl. And so I would get a bowl. I would set my mesh strainer inside that. And then I would dump the kefir in and that was faster, right? More surface area. It strained through quicker. I would just scrape with my spoon just to keep things flowing. But then I realized I had this giant strainer and a bowl to wash every morning after I strained the kefir. And I, I also don't love creating a lot of extra dishes. So I was a little bit stumped and I was kind of getting annoyed at this process. And then um, I stumbled across a continuous kefir lid set. Now this is something that was dreamed up by Recap Mason Jars. Um, and they are actually my sponsor, podcast sponsor this month. But funny enough, like we had agreed to do, to have them sponsor this month. Um, and I had already started making kefir. And then one day I was talking to Michelle, who is one of my assistants. And she's like, um, did you know that Mason jars recap lids has a kefir set. And I was like, no way I need one like stat. So I got one of their continuous kefir jar kits. It was a game changer. And I'm not saying this because they're a sponsor. I'm saying this because I would have paid, I think it was super cheap. It was like five, six bucks, maybe eight bucks. I don't know. I would have paid triple that to not have to do all the dishes every day. So what it is, is you do this in a Mason jar you get your own mason jar and you get these lids and they come in wide mouth and regular mouth and they're plastic flip tops. Um, and you can also get it with a pour, a pour spout on the jar to make pouring a little bit more effective and not as messy, but they have these little brilliant shaker inserts that fit snugly into this plastic lid and they come with little holes or with big holes. And it allows you to strain things. I know that sounds just so simplistic, but Trust me, if you've been dealing with mesh strainer madness, this is a game changer. So I started using these for my kefir instead. Much easier. Straining just takes a few seconds. I did discover that with my kefir, when it gets thick, the large holes work better than the small holes. The small holes, it was just too slow to drain. But I, I will just say, if you're doing kefir, water kefir or milk kefir, get this lid set because it's amazing. And you can also use it for a ton of other things. You can use it as a shaker for dry herbs and spices or for making your own marinades or salad dressings. If you don't, you know, you have 
some chunky herbs in the salad dressings and maybe you don't want all of that to fall out into the salad every time you pour it. It's just easy and it's not expensive. And anything that makes a daily task easier for me is a huge win in my book um, because I'm more prone to, to stick with it and it reduces the amount of time I'm spending in the kitchen cleaning up or doing dishes. So it's pretty cool. And we actually have a coupon code for you because I know a bunch of you want to try these uh, lids. So if you use the code HOMESTEAD when you purchase this set of lids, it will take 20% off the price of the set. And it'll give you two um, regular mouth lids, one wide mouth lid, and it has the shaker insert. So totally worth a try. And they also have a lot of other lids that I use for all my pantry stuff or DIY things. So go check them out. The link is in the show notes or just head on over to the prairiehomestead.com slash lid. And don't forget, use coupon code HOMESTEAD to get that 20% off. But anyway, that is my kefir adventure. And I've had a lot of you asking me to detail how I got into this because um, I haven't talked about kefir much before. It's really a new dairy avenue for me to head down. And I'm really excited. I'm really excited that as I continue to get a little bit more cheese making experience under my belt that I think is going to save me a lot of time and a lot of money in trying to order and source all the different cultures. And I can just use a simple one size fits all culture that is cost effective and potentially even better for you because it's just a little bit more natural, right? One less manufactured ingredient you have to have in your cheese making. So give it a try. Let me know how it goes for you, whether it's water kefir or milk kefir. If you get going with it, please take a picture of your happy kefir starters and tag me on Instagram or Facebook. I'd love to see how it's working for you. And if you come up with any cool flavoring ideas, fruit that you mix in or whatever, uh, holler at me as well, because I'm always open to new combos. So if you're falling in love with the idea of an old-fashioned, intentional kitchen full of nourishing food and rich memories, you will love my Heritage Kitchen Handbook. I've packed this little ebook full of my very best tricks for cooking and eating like a farmer, even if you live in the city, and you can grab it for free over at heritagekitchenhandbook.com. And that is it for today, my friend. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being here. And we will catch up on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.